What would possess somebody to dump buckets of feces on another human being? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We talked to the National Post's Richard Warnica about a number of incidents in Toronto that involved just that horrifying scenario. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get the best audio. Please leave us a rating and a review, and don't forget, tell your friends about us. So, Richard, what can you tell us about these attacks? Like, when did they happen? Where did they happen? Kind of walk us through each one of these incidents. Sure. So, uh, what happened was three really remarkably similar attacks over four days on uh, two on the University of Toronto campus, which is pretty much in downtown Toronto, and a third on York University campus, which is really like the northern tip of the city. And um, in the first one, which was last Friday night, a man walked into Robart's library, which is like the big, massive library at U of T. And, and it's just packed at this time of year with end of semester students. And he walked into the cafeteria and he dumped a bucket of what police have described as liquefied feces onto two people who were sitting and studying. And that's basically the pattern that was repeated two days later at the main library at York University guy walks in. In this case, he's captured on security footage um, with this giant grin on his face, walks in, dumps a bucket of, again, liquefied feces onto someone studying. It's interesting. I was talking to someone yesterday who had seen uh, a Snapchat of the immediate aftermath of that one. And um, she said it looked like just like a war zone of feces, basically. Like there's a guy just completely covered, his computer covered. There's people just standing around shocked and everybody filming it as this guy just walks out and goes on his way. And then the third one happened Monday night and it was right on the, the bottom edge of the university campus, which is like a hub of subway stations. Basically I talked to a guy who saw it happen and he says a woman walks out of a university building gets to the sidewalk is about to cross the street. And the guy comes running from the same direction she came from dumps a bucket of, hate to use the term again, liquefied feces on this poor woman's head and then runs off down the street. And then, um, yeah, an incredible amount of coverage on this probably led to the next night the guy is arrested at a homeless shelter. Well, I mean, that is good news that there weren't any further attacks. And I know that this has kind of turned into a bit of a a joke in some circles. There is a tendency to kind of laugh at the gross out nature of it, but I imagine the victims of these attacks certainly didn't feel that way. You know, how have they reacted to what has happened to them? I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to the actual victims. I mean, all we can do is is kind of surmise that, you know, just imagine that you're sitting, eating lunch or studying and, and someone dumps a bucket full of crap on you. Like, we're not talking... Mm-hmm. A turd here. We're talking like a full bucket full of really disgusting stuff. I mean, it, I, I get the instinct to think it's funny. And if you look online, yeah. there's this incredible amount of, among the university students in this city, jokes about it, memes about it, fake movie posters about it. But if you actually stop and think about, oh my God, what if this had happened to me? It's awful. It's really awful. One guy I talked to yesterday said to him, he'd rather be shot than than have this happen to him. I mean that is that is pretty extreme, but I, I can understand the 
just the ick factor of thinking about that happening to you is, is quite something. Now, the man who was arrested and charged in this, he appeared in court this week. Do we have any idea as to why he may have done this? Was there any similarity between the victims? Was there any apparent rationale behind doing this to somebody? It's it's a little tough because there's a couple obvious guesses that haven't been proved yet in terms of why he did it. You know, the police before he was arrested uh, made several references to mental health. Uh, his lawyer, after talking about uh, it was well making very clear he wasn't talking specifically about his client went on a long soliloquy about mental health in the courts and mental health uh, needs uh, in in the community you know I'm always hesitant in any kind of legal matter any kind of reporting thing to make a leap where it isn't there but I'll say I'll be shocked if it doesn't turn out that there's some kind of mental health question in this case um, in terms of the victims there was a lot of rumors online that, that this might be racially motivated. And I asked the police directly and they said, no, the victims don't appear to mm. all come from one community. Um, they don't have any evidence to suggest they were all targeted because they were members of one community. So that's as much as I know about that. What happened with this court appearance? Normally docket court or bail court is not something that attracts a ton of attention uh, unless we're talking about a high profile case like this. So was it quite busy down there at the courthouse? I mean, guys, it was like nothing I've ever seen. I've, I've been doing court reporting uh, 15 years, probably. I don't know how many of these things I've been to. I have never seen a scene like that at bail court. Uh, you know, when you talk about a high-profile case, high-profile case is usually 15 of us show up, 15 reporters. Uh, this was somewhere between about 70 and 100 university students just there to watch. Uh, and bail court, because no one ever shows up for bail court to watch because nothing happens it in Toronto, is in this tiny courtroom in the basement of Old City Hall where there's maybe like 15 spectator seats. And it was the entire hallway leading out was jammed with people. There were people trying to force their way in. There were, you know, a columnist angry that he couldn't get a seat. And, it, you know, it's bail court. So what happens is there's a giant list of people who need to be seen and it takes mm -hmm. all day and nobody there understood that. A and so he didn't actually show up until 2.30 after they'd switched it to a different courtroom. Uh, and the whole thing took about five minutes. And, and what actually happened is under a publication ban because it's bail court. There's always a publication ban. So it was, yeah. it was this giant crowd hoping for a show when there was never going to be a show yesterday. What does the accused appear back in court next? He'll be back uh, Tuesday for another bail hearing. Bail was put over over the weekend, so he'll be back in bail court on Tuesday. So what were people saying at court as to why they were there or, you know, afterwards what they thought of the whole thing? What, what did you hear from people down in the courthouse? The interesting thing to me about it is it's, it's the first time I've covered a case that has literally become like a viral meme, like it is. It is, I was at the U of T campus on Monday or yeah, a Tuesday. And it was the only thing people are talking about. It's the only topic online. And it was almost like people were there trying to get an in real life view of, of some kind of internet topic of interest. And I think there were people there who were legitimately just like curious. And there are people who were there because they're interested in crime. And then, you know, I think there were people there because they wanted to be part of the show. You know, there was... 
they switched the courtrooms halfway through the day and it, it, it was the most incredible scene because there's, I wrote in my story, it looked like a land rush. Like there's these kids sprinting up these marble steps, uh, running around corners, trying to figure out the best way to get to this new courtroom. And, you know, the people who were in the front row and made it their mission to get there, the ones who stuck around and gave like 40 interviews afterwards. And it's funny to watch the elation and kind of joy that people are taking being there switch on a dime to this very serious, oh, I think this is a really serious issue. And, you know, people are very scared once the camera turns on. It, it was a real interesting dynamic. Now, who is the accused and, and what do we know about him so far? We don't know much. His name's Sam, Samuel Opoku. He's 23. He was wearing construction gear in a couple of the um, couple of the the attacks. We don't know if that's because he worked in construction or he just happened to have some. I can tell you from watching him in court, he looked utterly dejected. You know, he kept his head down the entire time, uh, didn't really speak. But you know, he'd, he'd been in remand all day, so that's to be expected. Beyond that, there's not much out there about him yet. Now you said earlier this is kind of. This incident has gone viral in a sense. People are making fake movie posters about it. Have you seen anything like this on another story that you've covered? And and why do you suppose it is a story like this that leads to this reaction? I've never seen it specifically like this. Like I've seen, you know, every once in a while, a story for some reason will hit a weird current in the culture and get picked up. This was different. I think part of it was this nexus of it was happening to and around young people who who live online and live in these communities online. Uh, and then it was this sort of gross out, you know, it's poo, right? It's like this guy with buckets full of poo walking around a university campus in 2019. It's going to end up online and 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 getting hashed about that way. I mean, it's it's that exact line of like, you know, gross out humor or like dark comedy brought to life, but with real repercussions. So you had almost that horror element of I legitimately think there were lots of students in this city who were at once fascinated and kind of laughing and also really scared that this was going to happen to them. Now, I know that this is kind of like one of those kind of gross details to it, but it begs the question, do we know whether we're talking about human feces or some other animal? Like, so as of, what's going on here, <laughs> I mean, as what's going on here is a much bigger question, but the, uh, the specific one on the, on the nature of the feces, uh, I asked Toronto police on Tuesday and the answer I got was, uh, it is feces. We don't yet know whether it's animal or human. I know it's an odd question to ask, but it, I guess it does go to speak to the effort involved in this. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny you say that because I feel like reporting this week, I have started a question about a hundred times with, I know this is an odd question to ask, but it's that kind of story, right? Like it's anytime you start to delve a little bit into the details, you're in these weird uncomfortable kind of disgusting zones, but then you can't tell the story if you stay out of those weird, uncomfortable kind of disgusting zones. 
Well, it is definitely one of those stories that kind of covers a lot of bases that I don't think that any of us in the industry thought that we'd cover at all, all at once. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Richard, thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem, guys. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Additional production by Chris Gallipo. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Richard Warnica. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>